0: Let me ask you to open up your Bibles this morning to the very last book of the Bible indeed need the very end of your Bibles. Let me ask you to turn to Revelation chapter 22, Revelation chapter 22. Last Sunday, we learned from the prophet Isaiah. About the suffering of our Lord and how our Lord was rightly called a man of sorrows. And now this morning, this Easter Sunday morning, we think about another title of our Lord Jesus Christ. Another name that is given to Him. One that speaks of His resurrection, His exaltation. He is the bright morning star. I wonder if you're familiar with the man who is known as the morning star of the Reformation. Remember, the Reformation was that period of about 150 years, from, from 1500 to 1650, in which people all over Europe were suddenly turning again to the Scriptures. They, they were learning the true gospel and they were finding salvation in Jesus Christ. Uh, there are thousands and thousands of gospel-preaching Protestant churches meeting today In the United States and around the world that would not exist. Were it not for the sovereign work, the sovereign gracious work that God did in that period that we call the Reformation. When we think of the Reformation, we think of men like Martin Luther and John Calvin and Yordick Zwingli and John Knox. But before them all, indeed more than a century before the Reformation began... There was a man called John Wycliffe. He and his followers, called the Lollards, traveled around England preaching the gospel and calling people back to the scriptures. Wycliffe believed that if people could read the Bible for themselves in their own common language... They would be able to see how far the Roman Catholic Church of their day had strayed and they would return to true Christianity. And so, in the year 1384, Wycliffe finished what is now known as the Wycliffe Bible, the very first Bible in English. John Wycliffe was rebuked by the church for his preaching, for his teaching. And especially for his insistence that the Bible be given to common men. But Wycliffe was not burnt at the stake. He was not fed to lions. He was not drowned in a river. He was a nuisance to the Catholic Church of his day, but they hoped that very little would come of his teachings. And in 1384, he died of natural causes, he died of a a stroke. But by 1415, it was 30 years later, 31 years later, it was clear that Wycliffe had become someone that would change the world. Uh, He had begun a movement that far outlasted his own life as more and more people now around England and spreading into continental Europe was taking to heart his teaching of going back to the Bible And hearing the gospel of grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. The the Catholic Church declared Wycliffe a heretic. They dug up his bones, and then they burned them. And they threw his ashes in the river. They demanded that every writing of Wycliffe be burned. But it was too late. Because from the teaching of Wycliffe would come a man named John Huss, who took up the cause of the Reformation... And almost exactly one century after Huss was burnt at the stake, we find Martin Luther nailing his 95 Theses to the door of the church in Wittenberg, and the Reformation had truly begun. Before the great lights of Martin Luther and John Calvin and Zwingli and Knox came on the scene, there was the morning star of John Wycliffe, and that's why he bears the nickname, the Morning Star. Of the Reformation. Now, do you know what I mean when I use that phrase, the morning star? What is the morning star? Well, it's, it's not a star at all. The morning star is the planet Venus. Uh, for periods of around nine months at a time, repeating again and again, just under every two years, the rising of the sun at dawn is preceded by the planet Venus shining in the sky. Sometimes the planet Venus appears an hour or two before the sun rises. Sometimes it appears just a few minutes before the sun rises. But throughout history, people have known that when they saw the morning star, the sun was soon to rise. So you see, Wycliffe is called the morning star... Because he first appeared in a time of darkness. And his appearance meant that not long after him, just a century afterwards, there would come great gospel light into Europe. But there is another morning star. There is the one that we call the bright morning star. He is the ultimate morning star. And his name is Jesus Christ. And so I want us to read this morning in Revelation 22. We're going to begin in verse 12. Revelation 22, beginning in verse 12. We're going to read to verse 21. But I want you to especially note verse 16. Because that's where we're going to find our doctrine, our truth. Jesus revealed to us by this name. But let's begin in verse 12. Revelation 22:12. 12. This, this is the very word of God. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Now I want to dig this morning into why it is that Jesus calls himself the bright morning star. And there is an Easter connection. There is a wonderful Truth for us to find here. But before we can dig into that, we have to deal with the most common question that comes up when people read Revelation 22, verse 16. When people hear Jesus called the bright morning star, for some, there is a, an obstacle, a stumbling block that they find hard to get over. And it's simply this. Why are Jesus and the devil both called by the same name? Why are Jesus and Satan both called in the pages of Scripture? The bright morning star. How can that be? The prince of darkness and our Lord Jesus Christ sharing this name. Here in Revelation 22, Jesus calls himself the bright morning star. But we also have this language in Isaiah 14, verse 12. And so just for a moment, look there with me. Isaiah 14, verse 12. I want you to to see this. Isaiah 14, beginning in verse 12. Here is what we read. Isaiah 14, verse 12 How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. Above the stars of God, I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. Now, whoever Isaiah is talking about, the, the English Standard Version translates his name in verse 12 as Day Star. You see that in verse 12? That name, Daystar. Star. Um, other translations render this person's name as Morning Star. And these terms are interchangeable: Morning Star and Day Star. There is little doubt that this term here in Isaiah is referring to the same idea, the same title as that which is used of Jesus in Revelation 22:16. In the King James version, they translate Isaiah 14:12 using the Latin word for morning star. Do you know the Latin word for morning star? It's the word Lucifer. In the Roman world, when they saw the planet Venus as a morning star appearing before the sun rose, they called that planet, they called that star in their mind, Lucifer. The word Lucifer literally means light bringer because they knew that soon after the morning star would come the rising of the sun. And so Lucifer means light bringer. In the King James Version, those translators chose to translate this word that Here it's day star, morning star. They chose in the King James Version to keep the Latin. And so they simply brought it over into our English translation as Lucifer. That's how the devil came to be known by that name in our day. It's because of that translation. So so what do we make of this? What do we do with the idea that Jesus Christ and Satan are both called by the same name in the Bible? Jehovah's Witnesses use this as a key text to argue their belief that Jesus and Satan are brothers. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that both Jesus and Satan are created beings, one being good, the other being evil. Jesus is the angel of light, they believe. Satan is the angel of darkness, and they are brothers. Now that view stands in contradiction to many, many verses that teach that Jesus is not a created being the way Satan is. Jesus is God himself. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In no uncertain terms, John calls Jesus God Jesus said that He and the Father are one. We would never use that language about Satan. But we use it about Jesus. He and the Father are one. Jesus is not a created being. He is verily God Himself. Satan is a creature, a spirit, a fallen angel. Jesus created Satan as well as every other creature. And therefore the view of Jehovah's Witnesses will not hold but there are, two, there are two other more plausible ways to understand this reality that the Bible refers to both Jesus and Satan as the morning star. First, ever since the Reformation, Bible teachers have suggested that Isaiah 14 may not be about the devil at all. When you read the passage, it's very clear that Isaiah is speaking first and foremost about a Babylonian king. In particular, Isaiah is speaking in Isaiah 14 about how great the fall of this this Babylonian king will be. Some have suggested that to read Isaiah 14 as having anything to do with the devil is just plain wrong. And one example of that would be Calvin. And so listen to what he says. This is pretty strong language. He, he, He says, The exposition of this passage, which some have given, as if it referred to Satan has arisen from ignorance. For the context plainly shows that these statements must be understood in reference to the king of the Babylonians. But when passages of scripture are taken up at random and no attention is paid to the context, we need not wonder that mistakes of this kind frequently arise. These inventions have no probability whatever let us pass by them as useless fables. And so that was... Calvin's view that this passage isn't about Satan at all. Satan isn't being called the morning star, the king of Babylon is. And that's one view, and he may be right. Uh, A second view is that while Isaiah 14 certainly is speaking about a Babylonian king, the language that is used here seems to indicate that that king is not the only person that's in view. Uh, Just as many prophecies in the Old Testament, are about an Old Testament person and the Lord Jesus Christ having a double fulfillment. So maybe this word in Isaiah 14 is about, yes, a Babylonian king, but also the devil. That was Martin Luther's view, and many people agree with him. As we read verses 13 and 14 and 15 a while ago, did you get the sense that Isaiah was speaking about someone more than just a mortal man? Did you get the sense that Isaiah was speaking about someone longing to be higher than God, to sit on God's throne, and that that being was thrown down from heaven? That was Luther's take on this passage, that it could only be truly rightfully understood as referring to the devil. But if Luther was right, and Isaiah 14 really is about the devil, we cannot miss what it actually says. Because the verse here is about how far the devil has fallen. When it refers to, to, to Satan as Lucifer, light bringer, morning star, day star, it's not referring to the devil as he is today, it's referring to who the devil was when he was a good chief angel in heaven. The morning star is the star that shines brighter than any other star in the sky besides the sun itself. I did some research to make sure I was right about that, and it's absolutely true. The planet Venus in the night sky is always brighter than any star that we can see. Its luminosity is greater than any star in the sky. And so in the same way, when Isaiah 14 refers to the devil... And calls him the morning star. The point is that in the past, before he fell, he was the brightest of all the angels. He was the greatest of all the angels. But he is not so anymore. As Isaiah says, Oh, see how far he has fallen. And so frankly the devil no longer today has the name morning star he has fallen from his greatness he has been brought low by his wicked pride All that to say we probably shouldn't suggest, we probably shouldn't call the devil lucifer anymore because to do so is to give him a compliment he does not deserve he doesn't deserve the name morning star light bringer Indeed, it appears to me that in the pages of the Bible today, there is only one morning star. There is only the bright morning star and that he is the Lord Jesus Christ who truly shines brighter than any other being in heaven. He is the God-man, glorious and beautiful, before whom all others bow. And so if you stumble over why Jesus and Satan both have this language used of them in the Bible, I hope that brings some clarity, and I hope that brings some help. Now, having shown that Jesus does not share that name with the devil today, if he ever did, we can move on to consider what a wonderful truth it is, that Jesus is our bright morning star. And so you can go back to Revelation 22 if you'd like, and let's ask this question. What does it mean that Jesus is the bright morning star? What does it mean that Jesus is the bright morning star? Four great truths that are taught to us by this name. And here's the first Jesus is light in the darkness. Jesus is light. In the darkness. As we've just mentioned, it's nighttime, the sky is dark, and the morning star shines brighter than any other star in the night sky. Just as the morning star gives light in the night sky, so Jesus came into this world as light. He is the light of the world. All people by nature walk in darkness. All of us, by nature, are born spiritually blind. We're, we're unable to see rightly what is true and what is good and what is beautiful. And so we call things that are trash, beautiful. We call things that are evil, good. We call things that are false, true. Why? Because we're stumbling around in darkness. We think we see, but we don't. We are blind and we're constantly tripping and falling, trying to feel our way about in this world, confusing ourselves. Jesus came to open eyes. Jesus walked on this earth, revealing the true character of God. So we need not speculate. Jesus spoke truth to us. He helped people to see what they had not been able to see. Jesus came to reveal to us the reality of who God is, who we are, and how we can have peace with Him. And even now, Jesus speaks by His Spirit through His Word, bringing light into darkness. The Middle East is so full of darkness right now. Southeast Asia so full of darkness. Many of our inner cities. The culture of the elite. In our society. The culture of Hollywood. People do not know their right hand from their left. We, we see it every year at the award shows, right? The movies that go the furthest and pursuing the greatest amount of immorality. Always pushing the edge. Pushing the edge. Get rewarded and lauded as the greatest of art. We live in a mixed up, messed up, topsy turvy world. We live in a world of blindness, and Jesus is the morning star who brings light. Number two, second truth taught by this name, the bright morning star Jesus is pure. Jesus is pure because that's the nature of the morning star, it's bright. And it's bright because its light is so pure and stands out in the night sky. Here is what makes Jesus stand out from every other person in the history of the world. Jesus is the blameless one. Jesus is the sinless one. The man that was put on the cross and crucified as a criminal was in fact the spotless Lamb of God. First Peter 2.22, He committed no sin. Just fathom that for a moment. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in His mouth. As the Pharisees and Sadducees heard Jesus speak... As they watched his attitudes and actions, it was their hearts that were being revealed. Being so close to one so pure, they could not but feel their own sinfulness. On one occasion, Peter fell down before the Lord Jesus saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. There was something about just being around Jesus and all of His purity that brought conviction to those who were around Him. Kind of like when you have a room that's been closed up for a while and finally you open up the shades and light shines in and suddenly you see all the dust and the dirt flittering around in the room when people were around Christ. Christ. Suddenly, their sin was exposed because he was pure. And yet, the sinless one gave up his life for sinners. And he bore the wrath of God in their place. The righteous died for the unrighteous. That they would be reconciled to God and would have salvation. Well, third, this name teaches us that Jesus is exalted above all others. Jesus is exalted above all others. Uh, Just as Venus outshines all the stars in the night sky, so Jesus has been given a place superior to all other men. Jesus has been given to sit on the throne of heaven. All authority and power now belongs to the risen Lord Jesus Christ He is now preeminent. The second Adam has become the chief man first over all. 1 Timothy 6.15 says, He is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Fourth, and this is where I kind of want us to land, this name teaches us that Jesus is our promise of the coming day. Jesus is our promise of the coming day. You see, it seems to me that one of the primary reasons Jesus reveals this name for himself in Revelation 22 is because of this meaning. After all, what has Jesus just been teaching us through the Apostle John in the book of Revelation? Especially the end of the book. In Revelation 21, in Revelation 22, we learn about our blessed hope, the new heavens and the new earth. We learn about a wonderful day ahead, a blessed day that will never end. What does Jesus teach us about that day that's coming? We're told that when this day comes, God himself will dwell with man They will be His people and He will be among them as their God. Revelation 21 verse 3. When this day comes, every tear will be wiped from the eyes of God's people. Revelation 21 verse 4. When this day comes, everything will be made brand new. 21 verse 5. When this day comes, Christ's people, His bride, will be called the New Jerusalem and they will shine with a radiance of the glory of God. 21 verses 10 and 11. When this day comes, we will have no need for a sun, no need for a moon in order to have light, for the glory of God will be our light, our lamp. Will be the Lamb of God Himself Revelation twenty one verse twenty three. When this blessed day comes there will be nothing unclean, nothing detestable, nothing false or untrue in this new world twenty one twenty seven. When this day comes we will be able to drink eternally from the river of life, and we will be able to eat eternally from the tree of life. Revelation 22, 1 and 2. When this day comes, we will have God's name on our foreheads. We will be His forever. And we will behold His face. Revelation 22, verse 4. Mount Hermon, are you longing for the day described at the end of your Bible? Are you hungry for it? Are you thirsty for it? Are you eager and ready for that blessed day to come? Is it your hope? Is it it what gets you up in the morning? There's this day coming. My God has promised it to me. It's mine through Jesus Christ. There's a day coming. How do you know that such a day is coming? I mean, when you read Revelation 21 and 22, doesn't it just sound too good to be true? How can you know that such a day with such a new world really is on the horizon? And the answer is clear. We can know because the morning star has already appeared. And if the morning star has already appeared, then the new day is soon to come, you see. I don't know about you, but I I need a morning star. Sometimes there are days when I feel like I will never have victory over my sin. There are times when I have messed up so bad or so often that I begin to think I will never be free from my sin. Have you ever had that feeling of hiking a trail or just walking in your yard and you find yourself all wrapped up in a spider web. Maybe you freak out like I do and you start trying to pull the web off of you and you, you keep moving it around but it feels like it's just sticking to you all, all over. I've had times when my sin felt exactly like that. I can't escape it. It, it clings to me. And then there are the discouragements of this life. There are the medical issues that so many people have that just cause them to ache day after day after day. Or there are those medical issues that people have that cause them to live in fear day after day. There are the people that we love and all we can do is watch them hurt there are people that we love who are constantly making terrible choices. And they're walking a road that will lead them to hell. And we watch with hurting, aching hearts. In this world, we see the threat of terrorism. And we feel the pool of worldliness and secularism. And we know how easy it would be to waste our lives away in mindless entertainments and pleasures. How often do we face financial struggles and relationship struggles and disappointment with ourselves and with our own failures to be what we want to be, what we know we ought to be? And all of this culminates in the temptation to unbelief. To give up in despair and say, maybe this really is all there is. Maybe this messed up, frustrating, difficult life is all there is. We live, we die, and after that, nothing. What if there is no happy ending? What if all these deep moments of communion with God and that yearning desire to one day look upon His glorious face and to discover what true happiness really is, what if all of that is a deception? Mount Hermon, when we look to Jesus Christ, we are to remember that He, He is our guarantee of the promised new day to come. The new heavens and the new earth are no fairy tale. You without sin is no fairy tale. A world of endless peace and joy where all things are new is no great deception. How can you know this day is coming because Jesus Christ rose from the dead as the morning star? First, I'm sorry, Colossians 1, verse 18. Listen to this Colossians 1, verse 18. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. That in everything, He might be preeminent. In other words, the new day that's coming, it's already started. Right? You see Venus in the sky, and you know, the sun's getting ready to come up. The new day's about to begin. It's the morning star. Morning has already begun. Jesus Christ rising from the dead was the beginning of the new creation coming. The earth hasn't been made new yet. These bodies of ours sure haven't been made new yet. Amen. But Jesus rose from the dead with a new creation body. He was the first little part of the new creation. Though he's not little. (laughs) For he will be the son of the new creation. And because he has risen from the dead with a glorified body. A body fit to walk on streets of gold. We can be sure the streets of gold will come. We can be sure that the new day is on the horizon. Dear friends, 2,000 years ago on a Sunday morning. Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and John. And a a lady named Joanna. And a few others. they, They went to the tomb together. We're told that it was early dawn that the sun had not even yet appeared in the sky. How about Venus? Was it was it in the sky that morning? Was it shining brighter than the other stars? Was it announcing the day about to begin? I, I don't know if it was or not. But I do know this. When the ladies came to the tomb, they found that the bright morning star had risen. And with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, a new day had begun. A new day in the very history of this world. And because Jesus is the first of the new creation, we know that when he comes again, as the bright morning star, he will usher in the age that will never end. O Lord, tis for thee, for thy coming that we wait. The new heavens and earth is our goal. O trump of the angel. O voice of the Lord. Blessed hope. Blessed rest of my soul. O Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. And the cloud shall be rolled back as a scroll. And the trump shall resound. And the Lord shall descend. even so, it is well with my soul. Is it well with your soul this morning? Are you able to rejoice this Easter morning because the resurrection of Jesus Christ means that you will one day assuredly be in the new heavens and the new earth? Or could it be that you have never been united to Christ? Could it be that Jesus' resurrection doesn't really affect you because you're not one of his Dear friend, if hell is still in your future because you refuse to lay down your pride and to give your allegiance to the King of kings, what are you going to do about that? There is only one way of salvation. Jesus Christ is the door. John 10, verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will Be saved. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Friends, it is the grace of God that we are here this morning. It is the grace of God that we are given new opportunities to repent. Is there an unbeliever in here? Is there someone in this room where your conscience has been seared? Has your heart become too hardened? Or is there still something deep within you echoing what I am saying this morning? Do you not feel your guilt before a holy God? Do you not know... That you are a condemned person worthy of eternal torment. You have not spurned a small God. You have spurned a God who is infinitely good, infinitely wonderful, infinitely worthy of all your worship and all of your allegiance and all of your love. And yet there is grace available for you. No matter how great your sins, no matter how terrible they may be, no matter how many they are, the blood of Jesus is sufficient to atone for them all. Jesus is the door and he calls you this morning to come to him. To begin a new life and to follow him, to to be baptized in his name and to be his disciple, learning from him what it is to live real life. There is no better way to celebrate Easter than by coming to know for the first time what it is to have a relationship with the risen Lord, who is the bright morning star, the guarantee of the day to come that we so long for and that we wait for. Let's pray.